Welcome to Alabama Short Stories, when you're a little behind on your Alabama history. I'm your host, Sean Wright. I had always wanted a Fiat 124 Spider convertible. When the opportunity to purchase one for cheap came up, I blindly jumped at the chance. It needed a lot of TLC. I didn't realize it when I purchased it, but I didn't have the skills nor the money to get it back into pristine shape. I dumped too much money into it in an attempt to fix it. I drove it every day, except when it rained. The windshield wiper motor didn't work, and on this 1968 Fiat, no amount of money was going to fix it. You can do a lot of things in the rain, but if you don't have working windshield wipers, you can't drive. Luckily, I found a buyer for that Fiat. We take the windshield wiper for granted. As the saying goes, you don't miss it until they're gone. Speaking of which, you might be surprised to learn that the windshield wiper was invented here in Alabama. Mary Anderson was born on Burton Hill Plantation in Greene County on February 19, 1866, to John and Rebecca Anderson. Unfortunately, Mary's father passed away when she was four years old. Burton Hill Plantation had 3,000 acres of land and must have been challenging to manage as a single mother with two young children. It is not known how long they managed the plantation and if and when they sold it. But we do know that Mary, her sister Frances, and mother eventually moved to a house on Main Street in Utah, Alabama, where the girls went to school, and the proceeds of the estate supported the family. The proceeds must have been substantial, for in 1889, when Mary was 23, the three women moved to Birmingham and the Fairmont Apartments at 1211 21st Street South on the southeast corner of Highland Avenue, an apartment building they had built. For those who are familiar with Birmingham, the 2101 Highland Avenue building is the location of the former Fairmont Apartments. It is the seven-story building with the large modern sculpture out front. On the southeast corner, South Highlands Presbyterian Church built a new sanctuary there, and the congregation moved in 1892. Across Highland Avenue on the northeast corner would be the site of Temple Emmanuel, which was built in 1912. In 1889, this was the town of Highlands. Birmingham was just 19 years old, and this area of Jones Valley was on a ridge just south of the new city. Well-to-do citizens were moving there to get away from Birmingham with all its heat, noise, dirt, and malaria. The location for the apartment was prime land and probably a good investment for the Anderson women. The Highland Town Hall was on the northwest corner of the intersection where Highland Manor apartments are now. But back to our story. The entrepreneur gene must have been strong in the Anderson women. To have continued to operate the plantation after the death of the patriarch, John Anderson, is impressive enough. Then to build an apartment building in a booming Birmingham is impressive. Soon after moving to Birmingham, Sister Frances, better known as Fanny, wed George Perrin Thornton, who was born in Greene County and then moved with his family to California a few years after the Civil War. Now, I'm not sure of his story and how he and Fanny got together, but they did. They got married in 1891, and they had a daughter, Rebecca, who was born in Arizona the next year. Mary left Birmingham in 1893 at the age of 27. She moved to Fresno, California and operated a cattle ranch and vineyard. Now we've already established that Mary was an entrepreneur and seeing that she was unmarried, she needed to find her path in life away from her family. Even still, 
the leap from apartment owner to cattle rancher seems a stretch. Well, it seems that her new brother-in-law George was a cattleman, and his family was in Fresno, making the transition a bit easier and not so random. Cattle ranching is another explanation of why George and Fanny's daughter Rebecca was born in Arizona. Mary spent five years in California and returned to Birmingham in 1898 to help care for an ailing aunt. By this time, the whole family was living at the Fairmont Apartments. Fanny, George, and Rebecca had also moved back to Birmingham. It seems that the Fairmont hosted many Anderson relatives throughout the years. Mary's ailing aunt brought 17 trunks with her, and they all stayed in her room, not letting any out of her sight. Once a week, Mary would open the trunks and remove the tray so that her aunt could try on the enclosed items and look at herself. She was maybe dreaming of a time past. The only rule was that Mary had to close her eyes and not look at what was in the trunks. When her aunt died, Mary inherited the trunks. She found the trays filled with jewels, gold, and other treasures. Using some of the money from her newfound wealth, Mary took a trip to New York City in the winter of 1902. It was cold and the wind drove the snow straight down the man-made canyons of the city. Mary stood on a corner and watched a streetcar stop. The motorman get out, wipe the snow off the windshield, get back in, and move down the street until the window was covered and the process repeated itself. Mary wondered why there wasn't some mechanical way that the window would clear itself of snow. She had learned that methods had tried and failed, such as using the juice from a plug of tobacco, half an onion, and a carrot, none of which cleared the snow. All it did was leave the windshield a mess. The best the streetcar engineers could come up with was to split the window in half so that the motorman could open one side, reach out, and clear the other window. This solution kept him from having to get out of the car but the downside was it gave the passengers a shot of cold, wet wind and snow. She came back to Birmingham, but the image of that motorman having to clean the window would not leave her head. What if, she thought, there may be some arm on the outside of the streetcar. Would it clean off the window while the motorman stayed inside the car? Mary worked on her design with an arm on the outside that was operated by an internal crank. She took her plan to a Birmingham manufacturing company, that made a working model for her. A local attorney applied for a patent in her name, and on November 10, 1903, patent number 743801 was issued to Mary Anderson for her invention of the windshield wiper. Now it was time to get to work and make some money. In 1905, she wrote to the Montreal company Dining and Eckenstein to find if they were interested in purchasing her patent. In their return letter, it stated, we beg to acknowledge receipt of your recent favor with reference to the sale of your patent. In reply, we regret to state we do not consider it to be of such commercial value as would warrant our undertaking its sale. What a missed opportunity. It wouldn't be the last. Was it the fact that so many people did not see value in the early part of the century? Or was it the fact that this unmarried, independent woman was presenting a product in a business world run by men who discounted her the minute they met her. Could be. We also need to look back at the year. Mary's windshield wiper was for the streetcar. Automobiles were very new at the time. Ford produced the Model A between 1903 and 1905, and it didn't even have a windshield. Eventually, 
she gave up the battle against a perceived lack of demand for windshield wipers and stopped trying to sell it. By 1920, the prevalence of cars on the road had skyrocketed, and the industry came around to her ideas. Windshield wipers based on her designs became a standard feature on vehicles. Cadillac was the first to install them in 1922. Unfortunately, in 1920, Mary's patent on the windshield wiper had expired, and she never made a dime. In the years after, Mary lived in Birmingham and would spend summers in Monteagle, Tennessee. Her mother died in 1924, and sister Fanny died in 1933, whose own husband George had died 20 years before. Mary Anderson died of cerebral hemorrhage on June 27, 1953, at the Monteagle Assembly Grounds. She was buried in Birmingham at Elmwood Cemetery. She'd been a member of South Highlands Presbyterian Church, and at the time of her death, was the oldest living member, joining soon after the church was founded. Fortunately, Mary Anderson and her contributions to the automotive industry did not go unnoticed. She was inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame in 2011. The story is over, but I know you're dying to hear about the Fiat, the car I was talking about at the beginning of this episode. About a year after I sold the car, I found it parked along Highland Avenue, not far from Mary Anderson's former residence. There was a sign on it that said, For sale, make me an offer. Guess the owner realized that even he couldn't drive without windshield wipers. I hope you enjoyed this Alabama short story. If you enjoyed the story, do me a favor and tell one friend to give it a listen. You can subscribe to the podcast at Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. See you next time at Alabama Short Stories.